Welcome to Becoming Limitless. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to optimize their brain and their body with biohacking. I'm going to teach you how to eliminate brain fog and upgrade your health so you can have more productivity, energy, and growth in your business. I'm your host, Tanessa Shears. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Becoming Limitless podcast. I hope your week is going really well. We are in the middle still of planning our two-month slow living and work trip in Panama. We're scheduled to leave in, oh my gosh, just about two months, which is really exciting, although we've been keeping our eye on the pulse of what's going on in Panama right now, and if you haven't heard, there is a lot of protesting going on over an environmental contract that was signed, and, you know, we're just keeping our eye and making sure that, you know, as our travel dates approach, that it's still safe to travel because there are parts of the country right now that aren't getting any uh, restocked or replenishment of food in their grocery stores or fuel for their cars to drive. And we want to make sure, obviously, that you know, everything is safe when we go. So we are in the middle of just keeping our eye on that, but still moving forward with a lot of the things we have going on here. Like we need suitcases. If anybody has a suitcase recommendation, send it my way. Um, But that's kind of what's been going on over here. But otherwise than that, we just had a great Halloween. Both of my girls wanted to dress up as Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And so it was kind of fun getting to go out and everyone's reactions to their matching costumes. This was my older daughter's idea to match their costumes. Anyways, it's been a lot of fun over here, but I want to jump into what today's episode is about. This episode is all going to be about simple upgrades. So you know when you kind of start your nutrition journey and all of a sudden you're just like, oh my gosh, I need to eat healthy and we overhaul our entire style of eating and it feels very overwhelming. Well, what this episode I want to do is shine simple upgrades that you can do and you can look at this episode as a resource you can come back to over and over again. But I want you to think of this as an episode full of small, simple upgrades you can make to the style of eating you're using, the food, the specific choices, right? And and with these simple upgrades I'm gonna be giving to you, it's slowly about removing the processed junk out of your diet one tiny step at a time. And that's why I called this my good, better, best approach to healthier eating. You don't have to go from where you feel like you are now to best. Sometimes you can just go from where you are now to good, and that will be an improvement, right? I'm a huge fan of experimenting and one small step at a time. I find that the clients that truly embrace that there is no rush, we, you know, it is a journey and there is no destination with health. These are the clients, and I mean, even seen with myself, that it just feels like something that is so sustainable. So I wanna be giving you a ton of sustainable small choices that you can make over time. And what kind of really inspired this episode was a conversation I had with a personal training client years ago. And I remember him telling me about how excited he was about the lunch he had packed for work. And I was like, okay, cool. Tell me about what your lunch was. And he's like, well, I had a sandwich and I had a granola bar and it had like all of these like, uh, like nuts and seeds and it's a granola bar and I had an apple juice. So it's veg. I had my fruit in there. I had my whole grains in there. I had my bread in there. And it was so interesting hearing him because I was like, ah, There's a lot in there that is processed. And I remember there being a time too when I thought apple juice is healthy, right? Or I thought granola bars were a great choice. But you know, my views are always evolving. And you'll see that throughout this podcast. Like I've changed my mind on many different things. I actually think I'll do an episode on that one day. All of the things that I have completely changed my views on, right? And they're always evolving as yours will be. And I think that's, it doesn't mean that what you're doing now is wrong. It means that how exciting that there's so much growth growth ahead of you, right? Like I always look at 
my past self and the decisions I made as a place coming from, you know, I did the best with what I knew at the time. And I guarantee you in the future, I'm going to be looking back on what I'm doing now being like, ah, I did the best with what I knew at the time. And so, like I said, my views are always evolving and I'm not doing best. If we're talking good, better, or best, I'm not doing best in all these areas we're going to talk about, but I have the awareness that they exist. And so they are in the future plans. Like I'm always upgrading one thing at a time. So I'm excited to share this with you today, but I really want you also to go into this episode using common sense, right? If I say good, better, best with something, but you have like an allergy or a food sensitivity, or you can't eat certain types of foods, you don't have to follow everything you hear. So I want you to use common sense in that. And the other thing I want to say going into this episode is please do not use this episode as a way to go into information overwhelm about how much you aren't doing. Remember how I said, we're always doing the best we can with what we know. When we know better, we have the opportunity over time to start implementing better, okay? So I want you to think of this episode like a buffet at a wedding. There's so many things you want to try. So what I want you to think of doing, it's like, you know, at a buffet, you'd fill your plate, you'd go and sit down. And if you wanted to go back for more, you go back for more with an empty plate, right? That's how I view health. I want you to think of as you come, you get what you need, you apply and implement, and then you go back and get more. You apply new things when you have implemented the first thing. That's how you stay out of information overwhelm, all right? So what is my good, better, best approach to healthier eating? Well, it's broken down into like sequential steps for increasing either the quality or the the, um, the style of the foods you're eating. So I've actually prefaced even good, better, best was saying red flag foods. And if I say something is a red flag food and this is an area you haven't gotten to in your health development yet, do these ones first. Don't worry about good, better, best. Red flags are corrected first by far. Then upgrade to good, then better, and then best. And I'd like you to see them as sequential steps that you can make in this order if you want, or you can jump right to best, all right? So I've actually broken this whole episode down into different categories and styles of foods and choices you can make. So the first one I want to jump into is oils. Specifically, I'm talking about cooking oils. And I'm going to start with the biggest red flag, which I feel exists in nutrition. And this is seed oils. Seed oils are if you flip over a label and you see any of these words, canola oil, vegetable oil, corn oil cotton seed oil, grape seed oil, rice bran oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, soy oil, soybean oil, peanut oil. So many different oils. If you see these on the back of a label, these are highly, highly inflammatory. They cause brain fog. They cause joint issues. They cause slowness of thinking. They can cause digestive problems. There are so many things that exist when you eat a high amount of these and you will, you will be amazed how many things canola oil is in. Like the, I think the thing that baffled me the most is I went into, uh, it was like Walmart or something and I was getting, you know, those little baby food pouches for when you're kind of on the go and they're made of like fruit and stuff. And I flipped over a baby fruit pouch and it was Canola oil was the first ingredient. Like, why is canola oil in baby food? It, it just baffles me. Anyways, but I did do a whole episode on the podcast, episode number 39, Are You Eating This Brain Food? And it is a deep dive into how specifically these fats can damage your brain, your efficiency of thinking, and your health. So definitely go and listen to that episode. But when we're looking at these oils, I always prefer using avocado oil 
versus canola oil or versus uh, vegetable oil or like any type of Pam spray, any type of cooking spray. And the reason for this attention that I'm bringing at the top of the episode to seed oils, healthy fats, is because you are only as healthy as your cell membranes. Now, all the cells in your body have, like, think of it like a a circle around them, and we'll call that the membrane, right? It holds all of the other organelles and inner pieces of the cell together, right? Well, the majority of it is made on the outside of fats, right? And the quality of and the integrity of this cell lining determines how quickly our nerve impulses can be transmitted from cell to cell. Well, I want you to think about this. If your cell lining is damaged, communication between cells goes slower, which means your thinking is slower, which means your brain does not work effectively because every brain cell is connected to every other brain cell by about 40,000 connections. You have about 100 billion brain cells. It's kind of like a, a network of power lines, right? And if those membranes aren't healthy... The speed of communication slows down, and that's when you experience much of what we talk about on this podcast, poor mental function, memory problems, mood disorders, and this really can affect your brain's ability to work properly, how you show up in your business, mood, all of that, right? Your brain is made up of the fats you you consume on a regular basis, and if you are consuming these seed oils, which are unhealthy fats... Your brain, uh, the quality of the fats that make up your brain cells and the other cells in your body deteriorates and you are made up of what you eat. And so here are, here's just a bunch of things that I have found canola oil in that we think are healthy. Like I mentioned, baby food, right? Like why is it such an inflammatory thing in baby food? Oat milk. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how often I see people posting their oat milk coffee on Instagram. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder if they know how poisonous that is from them. Oat milk is full of it. So many hummuses come with canola oil, salad dressings, tomato sauce, pestos, like chicken broth, (laughs) croutons, barbecue sauce, like the list goes on and on. And all it takes, flip over a, a label. Do you see soybean oil? Do you see vegetable oil? Do you see canola oil? Those are all what I would consider red flags, right? So these are the things that we want to remove first. Now, I'm going to start giving you some um, red flag, good, better, best specifically within this category. So, Because once you start flipping over labels, it may become mildly overwhelming and a little alarming how poisonous some of these foods can be for us. So red flag, how about this? Low fat salad dressing. Because I even just had this conversation in my coaching community the other day. There is still so much information online that is fat phobic, meaning like we are afraid of consuming dietary fat. Dietary fat is not necessarily the problem unless you have had a gallbladder removed or you have some condition which prevents you from properly absorbing or using fat, like the fat you consume, right? So we often see low-fat salad dressing or low-fat dairy or low-fat anything. And whenever you see the words low-fat, I want you to replace that with high sugar because they have to have the flavoring in there somehow, right? So anytime you see low-fat, I want you to think high sugar. So now would you actually go pick up something that said high sugar salad dressing? No, I would choose the full fat ones and that's a place I would start when it comes to this oils and fats category. Now, if you're moving up to good, good is going to be stop cooking with canola oil, vegetable oil, margarine, anything you spray on a pan and those other seed oils I mentioned. What I want you to consider instead are butter, specifically organic grass-fed butter will be a great idea, but just butter, butter, ghee, avocado oil, coconut oil, 
Olive oil is good for dressings, but can break down at higher heat. So I too like to keep my olive oil for uh, salad dressings instead and using butter, ghee, avocado oil, coconut oil to cook. So if you, that is good, better is going to be, like I said, swapping out salad dressing or your favorite condiments, your tomato sauces, whatever, for non-seed oil versions. And honestly, they're not crazy hard to find. A lot of the time, if you just flip over two different cans, some will contain canola oil and some will not, right? And so it's just taking that extra moment to get familiar with the brands that put real foods into their products, right? And just as a little quick fun thing, if you are looking for salad dressings that don't contain these seed oils, you usually have to look in the like refrigerated section. So you know how in the grocery stores like carrots and broccoli and all that kind of stuff, they come in the fridge section of the produce. You will often find the refrigerated salad dressings there. And that's honestly where I've been able to find a lot of my canola oil free salad dressings. And your other oil, of course, uh, other option, not other oil, you could just um, make an olive oil based salad dressing, right? If you wanted to move up to best, Look at the labels of, of what you're consuming and what you're buying. And as little of that as you can, have it not contain canola oil, vegetable oil, soybean, sunflower, safflower oil, right? Switching to gra- organic grass-fed butter for cooking. These are all great choices, which I would look at as like, if I'm looking at my fat consumption, it's organic, it's grass-fed, and it's without those harmful seed oils. That's what I would look at as kind of that that uh, spectrum, right? And and honestly, many people in the biohacking space, it's really interesting. They would honestly eat straight up sugar over food with canola oil in it because of how linked to inflammation and brain fog is. It's really interesting. So anyways, that is what I have to say about good, better, best on oils and fats. Now we're going to move on to the category of protein. So two episodes ago, I actually did an episode called, is this a source of protein? Which is if you are like, I don't know what to eat. Is this a source of protein? What has protein in it? Episode 102 is going to be where you want to get all that information, but I'm going to do a quick overview of it here. So a red flag when it comes to sources of protein are high mercury, fish, seafood, and soy protein. So when we're talking specifically about fish and seafood, the larger the fish, the higher up on the fish food chain it is. So if you have these teeny little fish that are eaten by a little bit bigger of a fish, eating by a little bit bigger of a fish, what happens is the larger fish do tend to accumulate all of the mercury and toxins from the smaller fish, right? The top of the food chain does tend to become what? it ate eight. Does that make sense? So like the, whatever the little fish ate all builds up in the bigger fish. So I tend to stay away from higher mercury fish, uh, especially things like tuna, things like trout, any bigger fish or seafood and soy protein, specifically, um, soy protein powders or, uh, just tempeh, tofu, that kind of thing, because a lot of them are genetically modified and they have been shown to have effects on your hormones, estrogen. And if you are enhancing the amount of estrogen in your body, it can lead to a lot of uh, diseases down the road. So I tend to stay away from the soy-based proteins. Now, when it comes to good, we want to make sure we're just eating enough protein. Many under eat protein, like they don't eat enough of it. They only eat it one meal a day, or they confuse protein with carb-heavy foods that have protein in it. So the episode, the example that I gave in episode 102 was my client who mistakenly thought that quinoa was a really good source of protein, but it actually has very little protein in it. It has some protein. It's not a source of protein. So 
We want to make sure that we are eating enough protein and go listen to episode 102. I give a lot of guidelines on that. When it comes to a better source for protein, we're wanting to get protein from all animal sources without using supplementation. And I know at the beginning when you're looking at like, oh my gosh, I have to eat more protein. Sometimes we naturally turn to things like protein powders, right? Because it does help. But a lot of us are dairy sensitive, even if we may not know it. And it is unregulated, like the supplementation industry specifically. So you could honestly be consuming all pancake batter for all we know, um, inside of your protein powder. We don't act, it's not regulated. It's not tested. We don't know what other chemicals or products are in it. So a, it is a good option right now if you are not getting enough protein, but once you start getting the hang of it, we want to be getting most of our animal protein our protein from animal sources as it is highly bioavailable. It is readily digested, absorbed, and turned into proteins within our body and start moving away from supplementation instead of getting it from instead getting it from real food, right? Best option is going to be looking at low mercury wild fish. This is the best of the best I believe that you can get with protein. Specifically, we're looking at the SMASH fish. That's an acronym, SMASH, that stands for salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring, right? Because these fish are so small, they tend to be very low in toxic heavy metals like mercury. They also tend to have the highest omega-3 content, which is a healthy fat that promotes uh, a healthy brain, right? And then we can also start looking at other high quality meat upgrades. You can look at getting grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured eggs, right? We're looking at upgrading the quality as our last step in this. And I'm right in the middle of this step. We have made all of our upgrades to our fish, all of our upgrades to our beef, and chicken is on the list to upgrade to next, making sure it's organic, um, a free run, free range, that kind of thing. Now, I will point out with this, there is a difference between grass-fed and grass-fed and finished beef. So if you, if you are eating beef that has been grass-fed, that meant at some point in its life, even if it was just for a week, it was allowed to eat grass. If you have grass-fed, grass-finished, it means that from you know beginning to end, that animal ate grass the entire time, right? It wasn't given um, supplementation. It wasn't given grain. It wasn't given animal products. It wasn't given, you know what I mean? It's a lot healthier. So I always look for now when I eat my proteins, grass-fed, grass-finished beef specifically. So that is what we're going to say about the proteins there. We're going to move on now to beverages. So beverages, what are the red flag beverages that I want to make sure that we are slowly starting to remove from our diet? Sports drinks. So, you know, kind of the, um, what is it like Gatorade is a really good example, right? These are actually just sugar drinks. The same with pop and soda. And diet soda is not any better, often because they use a type of sugar in there called aspartame. But here's this, I learned this in university. Pilots are not allowed to consume diet pop within 24 hours of flying because it affects their brain chemistry that much that they are not safe to fly. Isn't that insane? I learned that in school. So pop and soda are obviously things that are very high in all kinds of things, especially sugar, right? They are, are, they are a complete mess on your blood sugar. So these are the, if you're drinking any of these in here, we're going to slowly start changing these out. Soy milk, oat milk, fruit juice, alcohol, pasteurized milk and sweetened drinks like energy drinks. Any of these type of things are what I will put in the red flag category. If you are drinking any of these now, maybe we can look at just one of them and how we can start, start 
sourcing a different option for that beverage. And we can maybe move into the good category. So the good category would be freshly squeezed fruit juice. Notice notice I said freshly squeezed, not regular juice. Um, And black coffee, right? Moving away from a lot of the artificial... um, Oh, what are those? Like the creamers and stuff we put in there going black with our coffee so that we're not getting all the chemicals that come with all the artificial uh, sweeteners and stuff like that. Moving to better, most of our beverages should be water, organic coffee, green tea, almond milk or nut milk with no seed oil. So remember we talked about canola oil or added sugar to them. So we're not getting vanilla flavored and stuff like that. So this is our best our better option right here. And this, for the most part, I am kind of waffling between better and best on this. And the reason why is if you wanted to do your best option, you'd be looking at filtered water, reverse osmosis filtered water to remove uh, a lot of the stuff that comes from the pipes that we drink our water out of, right? And then organic loose leaf green tea. And I was really kind of actually excited. We just upgraded to organic coffee last week in our house, and we have been ordering organic loose leaf tea. Now, here's something I had no idea about, and I have been down the rabbit hole lately in environmental toxins and how they are in everything right now and really starting to be conscious of removing them. But the the tea bags that we have our tea in most of the time, like let's just say you have, I don't know, some Lipton tea or uh, a tea bag from somewhere. When you put that tea into hot water, it leaches so many microplastics that you then consume. And these microplastics can absolutely wreak havoc on the inside of your body. They can affect your hormones. They can affect your health. So what we did was we switched to organic coffee. Like I said, we switched from unbleached coffee fil- or bleached coffee filters. Those are the white ones you get to unbleached coffee filters. So they're brown instead. And we also switched to organic loose leaf tea. So we're no longer doing tea bags in our house anymore. We're, our next step in this actually is we've got our eye on a reverse osmosis water filter. So you can see like I've been doing this for years and I'm just getting to these stages now. The first thing I did was eliminated, you know, pop, soda, juice, alcohol, that kind of stuff. And I'm moving my body up the, the, the ladder, so to speak, slowly over years and years, making one small change at a time. When it comes to carbohydrates, carbohydrates and starches, there are definitely some that I want to consume and some I don't. So I'm identifying these following carbohydrates and starches as red flags, meaning these are the ones I'd work on first. Anything with wheat in it, corn, processed foods, whole wheat bread, regular bread, couscous. Now, the reason for these is because they are processed, they do tend to spike our blood sugar a lot faster. And there is a large part of the population that is sensitive to some degree to gliadin or gluten, the proteins found in wheat. So we want to then start taking a look at like, okay, well, which ones of these can I start trading them out? And when I'm looking at trading out these red flag foods, I'm looking at the next level up, which is good. Now, good in this category, we have oatmeal. We're also looking at uh, quinoa and potatoes, right? And so in this category of potatoes, that is good. I'm going to include white 
Baker's potatoes, new per, new potatoes, purple potatoes. Um, these are what I would call good because I do believe there are ones that are better options than that. So I've kept these in good um, and quinoa as well. Now, I will say one thing about oatmeal that I did not know. We used to consume a lot of oatmeal in our house. Um, and then I learned how heavily oatmeal crops are sprayed with a pesticide called glyphosate. So from the moment I learned that, I switched almost entirely over to organic um, glyphosate-free oatmeal. And they have actually huge bags of this at Costco, which is fantastic. But I did make that switch um, because I didn't want to be constantly consuming all that glyphosate. And I know there's a lot of people also that struggle with oatmeal in terms of blood sugar. So that is why oatmeal is only in the good category, despite the fact that it is a whole food, right? It came from the ground. It's not processed. Now, when we're talking about carbs and starches, if we move to the better category, like the next level, we're looking at black rice, wild rice, and brown rice. So these are the options that would be better than potatoes, quinoa, and oatmeal, okay? And then lastly, if we're looking at the best for carbohydrate sources, we are looking at white rice, sweet potato, yams, carrots, and squash. Now, you might be asking, why is white rice better than brown rice? There are, there's so much you can read and see about how brown rice is, um, when tested, has higher levels of arsenic, so that's rat poisoning, than white rice. So we in our house consume either white jasmine or white basmati rice. Um, what Brown basmati rice has been shown to be better than regular brown rice, but we made the switch to white rice. Um, there's also a lot of documentation that shows that they actually don't have that big of a, a difference on blood sugar for most people. I mean, that's going to be individual. So we eat white rice. We eat a lot of sweet potatoes, yams. We eat some carrots. We don't eat very much squash, but this is what I would say would be your best choices when it comes to carbohydrates and starches. So we're moving on to fruit. Red flags for fruit. These are the first ones. If you're hearing what you eat in these categories, these are the ones you want to consider changing first. So if you are eating any type of dried fruits, jams, jellies, canned fruit, you know, like fruit cocktail, canned peaches, things like that, and raisins. Um, some of these are for obvious health reasons, like the canned fruit is full of preservatives and very high in sugar, as is the jam and the jelly. Um, the dry fruit and raisins, they necessarily aren't full of chemicals, but they do have to have happen to have uh, high blood sugar spikes, right? And remember, when your blood sugar spikes after eating a food, it can lead to inflammation and brain fog and energy crashes and all of that. And our goal is to help you eliminate brain fog on this podcast. So what would be in the good categories for fruit? We're looking at things like bananas, grapes, watermelons, dates, and papaya, right? So these are all good options. Now, why are these good? Well, they do tend to spike the blood sugar the most because in this category, a lot of these are whole foods, right? So we're just delineating like, okay, if we have all the fruit, can there be a continuation of good to better to best. And I just want to make sure most of my choices are on the best end of the spectrum rather than the good. And it's something that you move along, right? It's not like wrong, okay, right. It's like good, better, best. So we're moving throughout this. So I really want you to kind of think of it more as a continuation and not like a solid, these are always in this category, always. Obviously there's individual differences, right? And how we process each of these foods and how it affects our blood sugar. So in the better category, we have organic apples, kiwi, oranges, and grapefruits. 
And lastly, if we move to the best category, we're looking at small dark berries. These are always gonna be the best for you. They have high fiber, they have high antioxidants, they tend to spike your blood sugar less. And when I'm talking about small dark berries, we're talking about things like blackberries, strawberries, blueberries, cranberries, raspberries. Um, other fruits actually that go well in this category, believe it or not, include avocados and coconut. So right now, if you're like, oh my gosh, I put raisins on everything and you found that was in the red flag category, maybe you can just swap your raisins out for a banana. Or if you eat a lot of bananas, maybe you swap some of them out with some small dark berries, right? So we're just looking at adding diversity and healthy diversity, right? Moving along that spectrum. That's what I want you to be getting out of this. All right, let's talk about coffee sweeteners. I already did kind of allude to this a little bit in the beverages category, but the red flags are going to be aspartame, which you might know as NutraSweet, sucralose, which you might know as Splenda, high fructose corn syrup, these are things you can see on the ingredient labels, Coffee Mate and Coffee Creamers. They're just full of chemicals. They are not designed to be in the human body. These are the ones I would stay away from. And if you were looking at what, what's one little bit better I could do, we move into the good category. Good categories might include things like white sugar, brown sugar, and cooked honey. One step up from that into better is going to be raw honey or coconut sugar. Best beyond that, we're looking at xylitol, stevia, and erythritol. And the reason for these being in the best categories is that they add the sweetness if you need to add sweetness to something, but they don't spike blood sugar and insulin the same. And they also don't cause tooth decay in the same way. So this is kind of, if I'm looking at, I want something sweet in my tea or coffee, I might look at where I'm falling right now. And can I choose one from the next category up? Uh, for me personally, it was about four years ago. I've probably told this story on the podcast, but I jokingly had what I called a diabetic coffee because I used to put a disgusting amount of stevia in my coffee. And then I would also put in chocolate mint liquid creamer. And it was so sweet. It was like having candy. And I can't even imagine how that was affecting my, my body and my blood sugar in the morning. And so I, when I started doing my first, um, when I first started intermittent fasting and doing a bit of the no sugar, no flour lifestyle, I just decided to go black coffee and it was awful for the first week or two. But I can honestly say I haven't looked back. I've had no desire to go back to those things. And I've even had clients before that have had very sweetened coffees and they couldn't imagine not having their special coffees in the morning and they now have black coffee and have no idea how they used to have it that sweet before too. So it's one of those things that is a really good experiment to see. Can you pull out some of the processed artificial sugars and, and sweeteners and coffee mates and creamers from your coffee and will your body adapt? And the, the secret is it will. And it's, it's a really cool just uh, lesson to show your brain that it can adapt to whatever change you want if you're willing to implement it. All right, let's talk about nuts. Like specifically, let's go with the red flags first. Anytime you see soy nuts, corn nuts, peanuts, and sunflower seeds, these are ones I would want to change out. Um, specifically, I can speak to peanuts and sunflower seeds. There has been Research that has shown that these are actually high in what's called aflatoxins and a type of mold. Ew, right? Like who wants to be eating mold? So we've actually removed peanuts and sunflower seeds completely from our diet. And if we're moving up the chain, like what do I eat next? Roasted mixed nuts are going to be next. And these are usually things that have almonds and cashews and peanuts and walnuts and things like that. So if you're seeing roasted mixed nuts, this is going to be better than sunflower seeds and peanuts, right? Right. 
So to move from good to better, you're going to be looking at unroasted mixed nuts, unsalted. And you're going to be checking the labels on this one for peanut oil. And that is the one downfall to these unroasted mixed nuts. Like I know we used to get a brand from Costco all the time and I was like, cool, they're unsalted. They're, you know, I think they were roasted or unroasted. And I thought like, you know, this feels good. It felt like a good upgrade at the time. But literally two weeks ago, I was like, it's time. And they have peanut oil in them. And this is not a type of oil I want to be congested or consuming on a daily basis. So now we get organic raw mixed nuts. And I absolutely have loved this change. It has taken, I will say, a week or so to get used to the fact that they don't have quite the the flavor, the ah, I want to say the other ones, the unru- the the ones with peanut oil, obviously they taste better, but I am now adjusting. It's another one of those things that once you get used to the new taste, you're like, oh, cool. I'm glad I did this. And so, like I said, like we just made the switch to raw mixed organic nuts about two weeks ago. And two weeks ago, we also made the switch to unbleached coffee filters, organic coffee. And think about this. Like, like I said, I've been doing this a long time and I'm still making steps all the time. It is the life journey that we are on. And I am sure that as soon as I get to this next level, a whole new level will open up. Now, I want to talk about, now that we're done talking about the nuts, I want to talk about some interesting things that I have come across over the year that I used to think were healthy, but I have now learned are not. And sometimes if you're like, oh my gosh, good, better, best, there's so many things to do. These, I'm gonna give you a whole bunch of things that are less healthy than you might think they are and give you some different swaps to make. So the first one up is peanut butter. Now, if you listen to that episode 102 that I did on protein, you'll have learned that peanut butter is not a source of protein. It has a tiny bit of protein in it, but it is mostly fat. Now, if you remember what I just said about peanuts having aflatoxins, yeah, that's right. I don't have peanut butter in our house either. We made the swap to organic cashew butter or organic almond butter. And specifically, you're gonna flip over these labels and all you're gonna see is almonds or cashews. You will not see oil this, oil that, or peanuts on the label. So this is a really simple change that you could make to help have a a healthier approach to eating, all right? Another one is mayonnaise. So we made this change and we have not gone back either. We used to have Miracle Whip all the time in our house and we do a lot of uh, mayonnaise-based dressings. So for example, we will do uh, salmon bowls, we will do a taco chicken bowl and all of these have mayo in them. Well, we took our Miracle Whip and mayo, we flipped over the labels and of course they're full of canola oil like everything else is. So we swapped to avocado mayo. And if you flip over that label, the oil that is in the mayonnaise, the avocado mayonnaise, is avocado oil. So you eliminate all that canola oil consumption, which is great. Costco has a really cheap one that we use over and over again. And I will tell you, this is another one of those things that does taste different when you first try it, but once you get used to it, going back, the original mayonnaise, the Miracle Whip we used to have, it tastes disgustingly sweet. It's so interesting. Um, Another thing that we think uh, is healthy, but might not be, are things like pancakes, granola bars, protein bars, granola toppings, muffins, bagels, cereal, right? Those are all really common breakfast foods. So I would just say, to be honest, if you were asked my opinion, if I were to be reviewing your food log, I would say skip them 
almost all of them, the pancakes, the protein bars, the muffins, the cereal, they're all just going to start your morning off with a very high blood sugar spike that is going to be followed by feeling snacky and hungry a couple hours later and having an energy crash, right? So I would skip these, but if you really like your pancakes or you you really love muffins, I might make organic banana pancakes and that's how you can start eliminating the flour that is in them. And if you buy a lot of these uh, pancake mixes, even like the, the Kodiak cakes, like the, the supposed to be the high quality protein ones, they have canola oil in them again. Like there's canola oil in everything when you start looking, seriously. Um, so like I said, I would make organic banana pancakes or you can make oatmeal strawberry bars from home. Like there's lots of uh, recipes that you can find on the internet to help you out with this. Now, when it comes to yogurt, I've got a strong opinion on yogurt because I review, like I said, a lot of food journals. And one of the most common things I find is 0% fat yogurt. And remember what we said, when you see low fat, I want you to think high sugar. So if you are consuming a low fat yogurt, you are making it up in sugar and that is going to make you hungry faster, you get the blood sugar roller coaster and all of that. So when I choose yogurt, I choose high fat. In our house, we eat 9% fat, 10% fat, the highest fat we can get our hands on for yogurt. I also choose low sugar, unflavored Greek or coconut yogurt. Those are great options. So if you can go and find unflavored 9% Greek yogurt or coconut yogurt, you are going to be so much better off. And especially if you want to flavor it, you mix it with some fruits, like mix it with some fresh strawberries or some frozen blueberries, right? These are going to keep you fuller longer. They are going to naturally have more protein in them. They're going to be more satiating and they are going to have a much smaller effect on your blood sugar. So make these changes when it comes to yogurt. Now, when it comes to the vegetables that you are eating, this is a fun little uh, upgrade that you can make that doesn't take a heck of a lot more work. If you're currently steaming your vegetables, Uh, in water, like let's say you put um, your frozen veggies in a dish or your regular veggies in a dish and then you fill the bottom inch with water, if you can elevate them out of the water on like a little tray, you are going to find that so much more of the nutrients stay in the vegetable instead of being lost in the water. Because if you've ever steamed vegetables, you'll find like, like broccoli, for example, the water's green after. Why is that? because a lot of the nutrients are coming out while you're steaming it. So if you can elevate it, honestly doing this in an instant pot works well in a vegetable steamer, but if you can elevate the vegetables above the height line of the water, it's going to be uh, much better for retaining nutrients. I've got a couple more fruit smoothies and fruit salads. These are things that I skip now because I know that they wreak havoc on blood sugar. And we think fruit smoothies are healthy, right? But they're pretty much the same as drinking juice. So what I would say is if you really love smoothies for breakfast, swap it for a high fat smoothie instead with minimal fruit. I know it's not going to taste as good, but if if you are more invested in having the food for health purposes than for taste purposes, this is what I would do. I put avocados, like half of an avocado in my smoothie. I put in um, organic ground flaxseed. These are both things that boost the fat content, which will help keep you full. Um, If you are using a protein powder, this is a good place for that as well. And I would try to keep the fruit specifically that you use with 
um, berries, small dark berries, blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, raspberries, cherries, those kind of thing, and stay away from the higher sugar fruits, things like bananas, things like papayas, things like mangoes. So there are simple swaps you can make like that, going higher fat with your smoothie with minimal fruit that will fill you up much more in the morning, and it will be so much better for your sustainable energy in the long run. But like I said, overall, we're looking at making those swaps with real food. Now I'm just gonna do, I also just made up a very quick list of food that I used to think was healthy, that is not. Uh, vegetable chips and straws, vegetable straws. I know it doesn't, when you think about it, a vegetable straw, you know that has to be processed, right? Um, anything that says gluten-free, the reason for that is because there are many other alternative flours that spike your blood sugar as much. So almond flour, rice flour, all of these will spike it as much. And usually they have other types of products in the gluten-free stuff that help to bind it together because gluten is a protein, right? It helps bind the dough together. If you remove the gluten, it'll fall apart. So there's usually other things put in there to help hold it together. So be cautious around stuff that says gluten-free. It does not mean healthy. Uh, canned soup, flavored rice cakes, you know, the ones that have the spicy flavoring or whatever like that. Microwave popcorn, um, they're full of the terrible oils and margarine and stuff like that that can definitely disrupt brain function. Veggie burgers. Veggie burgers are not healthy. <laughs> no matter how they are marketed to you, veg veggie burgers are not healthy because you flip over the ingredients and you wonder what the, one of the first ingredients is, canola oil. And when you look at an ingredient list, the higher up canola oil is, the bigger the problem is because those ingredients are sorted by weight, meaning whatever the first ingredient is means there is the most of that ingredient by weight in the food you are eating. So if you see canola oil as the first, second, or third ingredient, yikes. There's a lot of poison in there and veggie burgers tend to be full of them. Uh, frozen dinners, again, for the canola oil reason, condiments and sauces with canola oils. And like I said, it's not hard to make changes. Like there could be two tomato sauces on the shelf. You just have to flip them over and find the one without it. Cheese is a mixed thing here. Some people do really well with cheese and some people don't. Now, if you are sensitive to dairy, I did not even know this before and I learned this. Ah, I feel like it might've been in the plant paradox. I don't know. Anyways, I learned that there's two different types of cows, A1 cows and A2 cows, and they produce entirely different dairy. So just Google this if you want to find out more. But if you are dairy sensitive, chances are you are consuming dairy from what is called an A1 cow. And if you consume dairy from an A2 cow, you will likely not have the same experiences. And in general, if you are dairy sensitive, hard cheeses tend to be better than soft. Uh, dairy is a major allergen for a lot of people. And so it's really very specific. If you are bloated, if you feel unwell, if you feel foggy, if you have resistant weight gain, I would consider dairy as one of those things you experiment with removing. And what that might look like is doing two weeks without it. How do you feel? If you feel good, extend it for another two weeks. If you feel great, keep it because the other alternate experiment is just adding it back in. And if you notice the headaches or the bloat or the fog or the, you know, you stop seeing results with your weight loss journey, this, this is something I would consider removing if you are sensitive to it. I do keep a little bit of dairy. I keep a little bit of hard cheese. Very seldomly we'll have cottage cheese at our house. Um, but for the most part, we are pretty dairy free just because we get so much of our nutrients from other sources. But I know that this has been a lot of information in here and I really do hope that you use this 
as a resource that you can come back to again and again. I have the categories we've gone through are oils and fats, proteins, be- uh, beverages, carbs and starches, fruits, coffee, sweeteners, nuts, and then a whole list of other things we might want to consider um, exchanging for a whole food alternative. And remember, when I talk about whole foods, we just come back to the same principle. Did it come from the ground or did it have a mother at some point, right? Those are whole foods. We want to have as many things without packaging as possible. And this is how I want you to view nutrition as, as much of it as whole healthy foods as possible. Working from good to better to best and looking at this as a life journey of small tweaks and upgrades that you are going to make as you become limitless. Well, I hope this has been super helpful and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Learn something new in this episode or feel inspired to take action? I'd love for you to share it with a friend and leave a review. Your review will help one more entrepreneur feel healthier, more energized, and focused. If you feel good about helping a friend or a fellow business owner you've never even met, you are my kind of people. I'm excited to help you become limitless in the coming episodes.